0: geeks and welcome to another episode of smack my pitch up the podcast that reboots remakes reimagines sequels and sidequels some of your favorite and least favorite properties from film television and what have you and tonight we definitely have a favorite a i wouldn't even say necessarily cult classic it is a classic for fans of genre film i would say
2: that is very true uh, um, it's got a cult following it does it's just small you know?
0: Yeah, I think this is one of those lost classics that I wouldn't even necessarily say it's a cult classic, but it is one of those that was able to reach a bigger market. It just doesn't have as much exposure as some of the classics of its era, right? Do yeah. This movie came out around the same time that, say, Back to the Future came out,
2: and it only made I think like forty million in the theaters, yeah, total maybe a little less than that.
0: So it's one of those films that, as time has gone on, it's become more appreciated for what it is. And it really helps that some of the actors that were involved in it have become mega stars. Uh, some already having their cult classic status established by the time this movie came out, others yeah. becoming, uh, superstars after this movie come out. Uh, we're talking about 1985's legend. Yes. It stars, uh, Tim Curry as basically the devil is yeah, the darkness, the darkness, the, darkness the, which, the dark Lord. Yep. And, uh, Full currying in this as well. He's having so much fun in his role. He's amazing as
2: the darkness. I mean, that movie doesn't work without his performance.
0: And what's funny is there's so much prosthetic action happening with him. Yeah. But even with all those prosthesis uh, things on his body, you can still see Tim Curry behind it. Yes. Because there's just a the way he holds his mouth, his beats the way he speaks are very much Tim Curry and it, it translates through all of that prosthetic. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's so important that he was in that role, that he was really able to emote through all of that stuff.
2: Oh, he did it like a champ. I mean, he, I think he's, you know, very stage, you know, projecting and, and, and it's all about the body movement and he's just, he was, he's a master at that
0: he is. And then there's also starring uh, a very incredibly young, Uh, Tom Cruise. Hmm. That was his first movie.
2: Was that his first movie? I'm pretty sure Legend was... I think Legend was his first movie. It's either that or it is uh, The Outsiders. Oh,
0: The Outsiders, yeah. It's around that time. Around those
2: two, yeah. Yeah, It's either
0: one. But it's the only time I think that he's ever been cast as an innocent, (laughs) quote-unquote,
2: in anything he's done. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. A couple couple
0: years later is risky (laughs) business, so I think uh, this is...
2: Probably the most aloof character within that sort of fantasy uh, setting, I will say. It
0: was a couple years after this, somebody was like, let me tell you about Phaetans.
3: he was like, tell me more.
0: So uh, 1985's Legend, if you have not had a chance to check it out, definitely do so. I don't believe it's free on any of the streaming services but it is cheap to rent if you don't already have a copy. So,
2: oh, yeah, oh yeah, it's 2.99 I think.
0: Yeah, take a look, it's very easy to track down and for just the the fun of a very high fantasy mid-80s movie starring Tim Curry as the devil, it's worth yeah. your time. Yeah. It's fun.
2: And you know what, as far as devils go and how they've ever been shown in cinema or TV or even in books, I'm uh, uh, short of the actual Bible itself. He's the best. He is menacing. I t- I'll tell you, I watched I rewatched that before we did this and he is so, um, his acting's obviously superb, but he is so menacing. Yeah. I mean, it is, you know, and, and just as like his little, uh, his little tantrums that he throws in there.
0: Oh yeah. I, they're,
2: you know, like they don't, part of me wants to laugh because of the ridiculousness that is 1985. Also, uh, the how well done it was. I'm just like you know, bravo,
0: sir. Like, well, there, there's two different tones that are happening in this movie, which I found very amusing on a rewatch because I I can't say that I've watched this movie in the last say 20 years, and revisiting it as a full adult. Yeah, no chance of being called like young at this point in in my age. I looked at where there's very goofy kid stuff that's happening with like the little goblins and stuff that are going around there.
3: Yeah. No,
0: and like weird noises and. It's very kitty, and then Tim Curry, both going full Tim Curry and being operatic and big, but also yeah. menacing and just putting all of this energy into this haunting devil character. These massive horns,
2: yeah. it, it's With so his, like you said, his movement, his wide arms would just get thrown out like a, you know into the air when he speaks, and it was very his hands were almost like he was holding the skull, like, you know, Mercutio
0: sort of situation. I just kind of looked at it like if there was a high school that did put on a uh, high school version of Faust and then one of the drama teachers <laughs> would, like somebody dropped out left second and they had to play like the devil character and decided to just go full, like off Broadway with it and go huge with it and terrified the kids and the audience with just being too intense as the role. Yes. That's what legend is, is yeah. that it's very kiddy. And then there's Tim Curry just, rah, just yeah. fucking huge in this movie.
2: <laughs> yeah. And dark, which, you know, his, he, he is the darkness is actually his name. And the darkness.
0: There is some element of the 80s kids movies that has been lost over the years a little bit that the 80s movies where he had like the dark crystal and uh and legend and a lot of these kids movies that had a real like even never ending story had some pretty deeply dark moments in it
2: yes uh and pretty disturbing and probably most of that was just the
0: 80s yeah i think that's just the that's 80s just where the they're 80s. just like fuck it they'll be fine yeah they'll <laughs> be the good. attitude for the kids we're not worried
2: go out till you know the sun goes down we don't need to hear from you for eight hours yeah,.
0: that was our era is watching kids movies that would haunt an adult
2: yeah yeah and i then, mean listen my first my first horror movie was nightmare on elm street uh three the dream warriors why why it's my favorite and
0: poltergeist I, was pg I mean, that's the era that. Oh we're, my god, it yeah, was. Yeah, wasn't it? yeah. So that's yeah. the era that we're talking about. And Poltergeist fucks me up as an adult, and I've seen it like thirty times at this point.
2: Yes, it it, it does. It there's something about that practicality of just how it's produced and the makeup and all that, mm-hmm. or the the static on the TV, for yep. example. You know, very very simple device. Static on the TV. We've all seen it. We've all grown up with... Well, not now. Kids don't have no idea what fucking static on the TV is. No
0: shit, right? They're like, what? It it should just be blank with just like channel or volume on (laughs) the top. Yeah. But
2: eventually when shit runs out or you hit a channel that you can't get in, you get static. Sort of like, you
0: know, the old Channel 43 or whatever porn channel with a scrambled channel. Like, yeah, you want to try to explain that you had antenna on the top of your television when you were growing up the kids are like like a radio and even then you're like well you know radio so you're already ahead of the bunch on- yeah yeah
2: you're good yeah you've got that aspect of it yeah but you don't know this pain it's like
0: the antenna on a car yeah. yep just like that but there were two of them and they were on top of the television and that's
2: kind of what amazing about this movie is that i will like i i don't I, and if that's ridley ridley scott's first movie that he directed i doubt it but no
0: no 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 because uh he had done alien in the 70s oh before yeah then. yeah Duh. so Sorry. yeah he, he had please done forgive me who's
2: listening to this i had a brain <laughs> fart uh you're right yeah so i mean he obviously he knows action but for him that's a perfect example for him to go from that to that yeah um which is this very like like you said in kitty like
0: Oh, it's dreams
2: it's unicorns and it's like lovely rivers There's and lakes. Fucking and...
0: Uni- like Unicorns are the crux of this storyline is fucking two unicorns. Yeah, they yeah. have their
2: head dicks stolen.
0: Yeah, that's the whole story of this. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, before we continue on, I want to introduce my guest that is helping me out oh, on this yeah. episode. I am it's here. Helpful a little bit uh, from Geek Fathers and a regular panelist on well, all the shows on the network. Been here since like the beginnings yeah. of GUI. We've got Kyle smash here. What's up everybody. What's up bud. This is our first in person smack my pitch up. I I know. We've, we've vax hugged earlier. It was was, great.
2: Yes. It was fantastic. It's good. Another person's body.
0: Yay. I I (laughs) swear there's gonna be so much dry humping when everybody's fully vaccinated. It's going to be great. (laughs) Uh, That many people won't be so, won't be dry for very long. Yeah. yeah. Fair. And, uh, of course I am Mike the Hobbit, the host of smack my pitch up. Definitely rape review and all the things you get your podcast from. And, uh, Subscribe as well. All the info for the show and others on the GUI network are at GUIPodcast.com. And uh, yeah, let's get into the meat. So what I love about the original Legend movie is that much like a lot of the movies that I loved as a kid, the the, the basic premise of this is pretty fucking simple.
2: <laughs> it's as simple as you get.
0: It's, it's very much in that same line as like the original trilogy of Star Wars where there's a light and a darkness and there's a balance between the two. And the darkness is trying to upset the balance, and it's the light's responsibility to try to get that balance back in tow.
2: Right, yeah. Uh, in the movie, once the uh, one of the unicorns is, I think one of them's killed, and the only one left is the horn stolen. And once the horn is stolen, it's it's almost like it, it knocked the spark out of life. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, like the sun is life, right? We don't have life without it. So it kind of knocks the spark out and it starts dying. Then you just have darkness.
0: Yeah. There's a big scroll at the beginning of the movie, which nowadays is kind of lazy back then. That was just pretty standard to have a scroll that just told you all the information about the universe where it's like, there's light and dark and the unicorns are are, in charge of the light. And if they get their horns taken or they die, then the dark can take over, but the dark doesn't know how to find them. So they need an innocent to like center Uh, in on them as like bait. And that's what Tim Curry's doing. He's not a, Sweet Travestite anymore, he's Satan, and here yeah. you go, and Tim then Curry the movie. He, Tim Curry
2: doesn't do, he just he just acts, like, he doesn't actually affect anything, he just acts. Like, all of his little minions do stuff, and he just sits in the background and just is cool.
0: No, he's like the early Marvel era Thanos, where Thanos doesn't do shit, he just sends his minions out right. to do you stuff. You just see
2: a turn, maybe a smile.
0: He's like, <laughs> go get me right. the unicorns. And they're like, yes, Tim Curry, and then they <laughs> scurry if off. If to, we attack the unicorns, you know, we caught Death. Yeah. Right. Smile. Mm, smirk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's totally. Right. <laughs> so yeah, the premise isn't uh, terribly complicated. There's uh, two innocents that are. Uh, one is Tom Cruise's character Jack, and the other is uh, his love, yeah. Lily, unrequited. Uh, uh, well, they, most of the no, they make out a bit at the beginning.
2: I always saw it as like they weren't allowed to be together, so that's how they got together.
0: Well, at the beginning, it's that she has a ring. They make out a little, and then he's like, uh, let me show you something cool. And at that point, in any modern movie, he'd pull his dick out. <laughs> but instead, he takes her to, like, this pasture, and there's fucking unicorns running around, and she's- just Unsolicited <laughs> dick. Yeah, dick. Just, just fucking, <laughs> uh? And she's like, I don't, it's like it's a, it's a unicorn horn. Go yeah, ahead and rub this, it for good luck. This helps give life, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, and instead he takes her to a pasture, and there's these two run- unicorns that are, like, sup? Yeah, and they roll up, and he's like, "You can't touch the unicorns." And she's like, "No, but I want to touch the unicorns." And it, it's totally an homage to like Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden kind of thing, where she's right, like, "I want to touch, yeah. I want to touch unicorns." And like, no, it's forbidden. She's like, "I'm gonna fucking touch it anyway." You can't tell me what to do. All the women make money, you know, independent yeah. women, and <laughs> touches it anyway. And the unicorn's like, "Fuck you, you're a human," and run off. And then the evil is like, "Oh, we know where the unicorns are now." And then they chop off a fucking unicorn horn, and then. They steal her because the devil's like, oh, she's all like innocent and fucking sexy. So I want to like, yeah, do some stuff, yeah.
2: which shows you how evil he is. She's like, oh, her innocence makes me so hot. Like, wow, you really are. You're a dark motherfucker.
0: That's some like pervy pedophile that's, that's type shit.
2: Dark and evil it, it yeah, is yeah, yeah, my opinion. Uh, so, yeah, when, when I was watching, I guess unrequited, definitely not the right word. Uh, I would just maybe not allow like. It's funny because in the movie, they never break it down as to why they just randomly meet up in yeah. the forest. But I, I think she's probably like royalty of some sort. And he's just the woodland little fucking kid that was raised by whatever the hell is in there. A
0: woodland Jack Reacher. Yeah, It exactly. was uh, rolling around. Yeah, he's a wood <laughs>
2: Yeah, <he's just> a, <laughs> he, Instead of guns and martial arts, you know, he's got his little... Uh,
0: I write the armor. wrongs of the wood nymphs. Right, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you stole his fruit. It also probably the worst acting he's ever done. Tom Cruise.
0: There's no acting that he's doing No, no, here. I don't even know if he... He barely he doesn't really even have any lines. No, he has barely any lines. He's just... He looks confused the whole time. Yeah. Which I think is because he had few lines and few directions. Yeah. So they just like started filming and he was like, What do I do here? And he like looks to the left. They're like, Cut. That's perfect. Yeah. Like, You're okay. You're pretty.
2: Shut the fuck up. Yep.
0: Yeah. Just not a whole lot happening with his character. But he's not even really the main focus. Like, the the Lily is the main focus. He's just yes. the one that ends up hanging out with all the exposition dwarves mm. that show up and they're just like, ah, oh, we got to go to do this thing and do this stuff. And that's, what's going to happen. And doink. wee.
2: <laughs> well, you know, the movie is a perfect example, especially of the mentality of the eighties and, and before of the, uh, heroine, you know, and hero, like, Oh my God, I was taken. I'm so sweet and innocent. And then I don't do anything, but, but then I was taken and then I was taken over the dark side. You showed up, you killed him. You saved me. You know, it's very like legend of Zelda sort of, you know, that sort of mentality.
0: And what's funny, like, even when him, like, saving the day at the end, he does a very minimal amount of saving the day. Like, she starts off the whole fucking rigmarole. uh, Yeah. The only thing that he does is that there's a point where she, like, is all gothed out. Like, the devil has... First thing, he's like, oh, your innocence is what makes me, like, really hot, and I want (laughs) to fuck you because you're innocent. Goth clothes! And just puts (laughs) her in fucking goth clothes. Well, she
2: dances with him for a while. Actually, why... (laughs) (laughs) after i I saw the movie we watched that scene and she starts the thing starts dancing so she dances with it and then she ends up inside of it and if you look at the dress it's pretty revealing like it goes all the way down to her navel and it opens up like on each side of like halfway through the breast and i'm like god damn like you really are a pervert like you And the thing is, is that the whole time and just like all these stories, there's that subtext of like, no, no, no. I'm stronger than just being the damsel in distress. I'm battling the darkness in my mind and in my heart. Yeah. All you got to do is show up and you chop. What'd you do? Kick them into the void. But
0: I've also never understood that process of taking like, there's an innocent, right? And then that's the reason why there's the draw from the evil is like, they're so innocent. I want to corrupt them. But then pre-corruption, they're like, let me make you look as evil as possible, which seems like <laughs> right. the opposite of the thing that they're attracted to. Like, they should be wearing, like, the hands-made tail, like, red robe and the, the fucking <laughs> the hat <laughs> yeah. and shit. And be like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm so innocent. I don't yeah. understand sex. Like, that should be what the devil's be so like, oh, yeah. I'm fucking literally horned up right now. Hey,
2: modern times she would have been, bitch, if that's true, you'd be wearing a top hat and a tuxedo. Why don't you dress like a man?
0: Or like modern times. You're wearing half pants and no shirt. Modern it together. Modern times wearing a Kirkland sweatshirt and and some pajama bottoms.
2: I ordered you some shit from the LLB catalog.
0: (laughs) 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 But so Double's just like fucking let's get the the evil queer eye for the straight guy in here and totally do a a, a glow up on this this innocent Lily here. She's got the like the fringe collar She's got like eyeliner, lipstick, the whole fucking deal. There's spider leg like things draping off of everything. It's she's full gothed out, ready to roll, like s- super evil yeah, looking, black lips, lipstick, all of it. And then at the end, she has to like say like, "Oh, oh I'll totally like fuck you and like be your your evil bride," but like yeah. let me kill the unicorn and the one thing that Tom Cruise does is like not shoot her in the face with an arrow before she like chops the chain off of the unicorn. Yes, yeah, yeah. He's like, no, I trust you. I'll always trust you. And then she like breaks free the unicorn. He's like, told you so. She's not evil. Ha ha, bitch. And the gnomes are like, "Uh, all right. That's a weird flex, but all right.
2: If you notice for a Ridley Scott movie, uh, the action is a little dull. It's mostly dialogue and like pretty scenery. It really is. There's there's not a whole lot of, now there's a lot of great one-liners which he's good at putting in his movies obviously. Yeah. Uh there's a lot of great shit talking uh, especially with like a s- Screwball which is like one of the good Yeah, yeah. Dwarfs or
0: trolls? Uh, I think they're g- nymphs. Nymphs? Maybe nymphs. I think is the one. I don't know. They Wood they kind of like half-handedly mention what they are. There's like a, there's a there's a fucking sprite. I think at one point,
2: yes. And she's jealous because she wants that, that Jack D. Oh, Una. That's the character, Una. Una. Yeah, she wants and the she Jack D. she wants
0: Jack's dick so bad. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. She actually gets mad and jealous. She's like, I'll tell you how to do the thing, but you got to give me a kiss. And he kisses her on the cheek. And she's like, no, I want tongue, bitch. Yeah. Which was a very jarring turn of the, the, the dialogue <laughs> right, there. Yeah, She's like... Um, suck my tongue. And he's like, no, you're, you are a 12 year old child playing this role. Yeah, I can't ha- do that. Hell hath no fury. Right. Like, like an una scorned. Yeah. yeah. Or a woman scorned by Sega. <laughs> right? <laughs> so basically like Jack is the be all end all. Like everybody wants to fuck him except the chick that he wants to like bed, but she's like dive to the bottom of this water to get my ring. And then you yeah. prove that you're like my dude. And he does. And then he gets trapped under the water. Cause the darkness is coming. Cause They touched a unicorn. The plot isn't very... (laughs) Plus, you know what? That's a fucking dick move.
2: You did what? You threw your ring at the bottom of this raging water so I could... Well, I wouldn't say raging, but semi-placid water so I can go all the way down to the bottom and find it in the soot.
0: It reminded me of when I was in high school. And like, I'm not even going to give shit to uh, the women that did this because they were trying to figure out their own shit at the same time as I was. We were all pubescent and trying to figure out like the roles of people and stuff, but they're like... I'm so tired. Can you get me a soda? And I'd be like, yes, I absolutely will. I will go get you a soda right now and I'll bring it right back to you. J- Johnny on the spot. Yeah. And come back and like, oh, thank you so much. This is such a good soda. I'd be like, oh, yes, yeah, so we can go out later. It's like, no, I'm actually going to date this dude that treats me like shit. It's like, nice guys finish last. But that's actually bullshit. What it was is that I was not confident at all. And it wasn't about being a bad dude or a good dude. Is that I was not interesting. I was a dude that was like, running around and that was tom yeah. cruise in this one he was like i'll jump to the bottom of a fucking lake yeah. for your ring and she's like okay well i'm gonna go dance with fucking tim curry as the devil right now <laughs> yeah uh because that's way He's more interesting. bad boy yeah, yeah.
2: well yeah. I, i'll i'll will say that uh you know he didn't have uh, a lot of options maybe except for that 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 one magical um uh, what was her name una una
0: una uh, uh, but Una was basically like the cat girl in your high school mm-hmm. that just like wore the cat ears all the time it Was just like really fucking well, weird he was the he was the Peter Pan and she was the uh, Tinkerbell she was Tinkerbell yeah, yeah for yeah, sure yeah, yeah.
2: like that's 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 sort of the uh, the uh, modern more modernized I guess <laughs> yeah. relationship of them done in the 80s Ridley Scott knew what was up
0: yeah Ridley Scott's like one day they're gonna do this but it's gonna be yeah. Robin Williams and Julia yeah. Roberts yeah I, <laughs> <laughs> like I I wonder how that would work. Does she get to normal size? Is it, how tight? Do you think, like, what's the thing where you stick a rod in your dick? Was it sounding, I think it's called? Uh But it's just like, it's just like Una holding onto the edge of like a pen. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like. (laughs)
2: I think she would Look just like below. Just, she would just flap her wings really quickly. Under yeah. Sack and,
0: and then Good to go. <laughs> good to go. Good to go.
2: Yeah. She's like, I'll be cleaning this out of my wings for a week.
0: <laughs> <All> right, <'cause laughs> okay. This is already a fucking mess. This is the problem of coming over and like hanging out like couple hangs before doing this. A few it's beers good, before. A few beers in. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I do want to get into like how we're going to change the plot for, uh, for those unfamiliar with how we do this normally, um, about 10 minutes before this, uh, where we, uh, do yep. <laughs> do our real take on our reboot remix reimagining and our remake reimagining. And then we do our remix, which is just like a, a wide open outside the box take on how to do a version of this uh, story. Yeah. And totally this story, show, though, be- shit. because it's so uh vague in its plot, it's pretty much point A to point B kind of situation. There's a lot of room to kind of fill it in with our own ideas and stuff. So oh, we're going to fill it in. Oh yeah. Just like. Oh of yeah, <laughs> like a like a pixie on the end of a sounding rod. fill it in, nice flapper wings a bit, just like the wings of Una,
1: <laughs> the wings of
0: Una. Yes, fill it all in. So, for your real take uh, version, are you doing uh a straight up like high fantasy? Or are you doing it as uh, a different type of a uh, tone? What what are you approaching this? So, as? my
2: serious version, I guess, is the best way to put it. My non my non joking version, sure, is actually set in sort of a similar so it's it's not it doesn't look exactly like that aesthetically sure but it's set in a similar world it just happens to be a fantasy world in that nature almost like lord of the rings incorporated with a city environment okay uh so you know depending on what alley you go down uh is a completely different part it's not not like when you go down a city and you go down one alley, you go down the other and like yeah, I saw some brick and I saw some windows. Like you go down one alley, you know, it is it is its own realm. It's almost like a pocket of realms okay. within that city environment. So you have to know where you're going to get to where you want to be. So it
0: was like, "Oh, this is Goblin Town. We got to turn around. Right. We're going to get our wallets Which stolen. makes it
2: much more difficult for Jack, yeah, to find uh Lily and and the and, you know, the unicorn horn and all that. Uh well, some uh, in my real version, it's a unicorn horn because within those pocket realms, there are infinite possibilities, and it just happens to be within that infinite possibility is the one realm that holds the spark for life.
0: Sure. Okay. So you are doing high fantasy, but with a little bit more of a like a little more in infrastructure in the
2: yeah mon- modernized in in the aesthetics. Okay. Of so, if the movie starts, it will start painting on a city. Uh, depending on what that city looks like, but it's a city, but it's surrounded by a forest. Okay, right? so it's it's a it's almost like its own civilization within that forest. Sure, very, gotcha. You know, Aztecian sort of situation. Okay, gotcha. Uh, but within that city, instead of having um, you know, to any outsider coming in, you know, would be stores and things like that. But within these gateways, it, throughout the city because it's a grid are different um portals of- to different pockets. All part of the whole, but separate in their own right. Gotcha. Uh, okay, and that's how they all exist—is they're connected with that city.
0: Okay, I gotcha. Nice. Like, almost
2: like a dark tower, sort of how. Sure.
0: That yeah. yeah. Whole, you
2: know what I mean? There's that one, that one. You know, center, center piece to it. That, all. Yeah. Okay.
0: Cool. I like that. Uh, mine. I look back into kind of the different types of fantasy movies out there, and the ones. Well, first off, I think the reason I chose this version of a fantasy movie is because high concept fantasy is incredibly challenging and and delicate and complicated and to be able to pull it off properly is master class. Yeah. And to the point where like the idea that there are three out of six Lord of the Rings movies that are good, um, <laughs> that it alone is like, you know what, I even gave like a pass on the Hobbit movies because they did Lord of the Rings so well Yeah, that I'm like, that's really challenging and that's why there's so few above board fantasy movies that are like just um, um, incredible. Like there's Labyrinth, there's Lord of the Rings, there's there's some, but there's not nearly as many as there are sci-fi or horror because right. it's a very challenging element mm-hmm. to transport people the right, right way. What I've come to love with fantasy are the movies where they have a real life story being told both through the the the, the reality of the situation and then the lens of fantasy oftentimes through the eyes of a child or something. So you've got like uh, Bridge to Terabithia, you've got Pan's Labyrinth, uh, you've got Neverending Story. Zathura. Zathura. You've got these movies that there are real life reality challenges that kids are going through. And then there's like a lens of fantasy that is kind of being put over top of that reality. And I thought, how would this story look if there was a real life situation with real, like in reality kids? that because of their overactive imaginations, because of like them maybe preventing themselves from seeing the real, even darker villainy of the real world, putting a kind of creative lens over top of it to deal with the situation, which is oftentimes the vehicle used for those types of movies. So that's what I'm going with is that this is a real life situation that are hitting the same beats as Legend. And then the story of Legend is not only something that is mentioned as like a book at the beginning, like never ending story style, but then that kind of translates as a lens over top of the reality of the situation. Mm. So all the characters it's are still there. Like
2: a commentary on the real world going on in a sense.
0: Sort of. It's, it's, it's showing that even as dark as the darkness, as Tim Curry's character is <laughs> in legend, uh-huh. it doesn't compare to the darkness of the, of the human soul at points. Right. And, to show how even a fantasy devil could be the better option than the reality of the situation. Right. Uh, I thought would be an interesting concept. So that, that's where I'm going with
2: this. And one. that's, you know, I love that because throughout history, um, that's what a lot of civilizations do. Mm-hmm. You know, they take the, they take the, uh, the evil of mankind. There's good. And they put that into a, a visual form as well you know, they kind of put it all together into this one form. And this is, this is, this is what the evil part of us looks like. Yeah. And this is what the good part of us looks like. Sure. Mm-hmm. Who we want to be and who we want to stray from sort of thing. I like that. That's pretty cool.
0: So, uh, for your version, this, uh, more city based, uh, nexus, mm-hmm. I guess, uh, of this fantasy realm. Uh, do you have a director? Do you have like a tone that you're going with, with this?
2: Mm-hmm. I do. So uh, in my, in my, uh, serious uh version uh the director uh i always kind of come back to him because i think he really does uh sort of that dark and light um balance really well Is tim miller and usually i would probably go for the more funny version which you know deadpool yeah right uh but what i really and i've watched both deadpool movies tons of times and i know he's done a few other things the one great thing about those movies is not just the comedy because yes it's comedy and it's gory is visually it's 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 really well done. Sure, but the balance in between uh, that funny, that dark, and the human emotion that actually kind of makes you tie into it from a more real standpoint, uh, he's got that shit down. Nice. He's really good at that. So, and, and he's good with the uh, the sort of uh, the, I think of when he's directing the action within that's going on within these pocket universes, mm-hmm. but attached to the city and how it's all gonna bleed out. I think he's going to do that really, I think he would do that really well from a visual standpoint. Okay. But from a storytelling standpoint, he's got the, he knows how to edit it, put that out there as that, that good balance. Yeah. And I wanted to have that in there because you have Jack who's good, right? He's a good kid. But, uh, but then you have Lily who's very innocent. The the thing with innocence versus good is good has experience in this story. Good has experience. Jack is, he's kind of lived a rough life and he, you know, he's kind of sure. that Aladdin street kid. You know what I yeah, mean? Sure. Or, and, and, but within that city, but knows these different realms because that's what he does. He, he goes around and he just kind of, he's a vagabond by yeah, nature yeah, yeah, and and a, and a traveler. And Lily is this innocent who's had a very closed off world, right? Those are the ones more susceptible to the darkness because they haven't, they haven't learned to put up those borders to protect themselves from such dark things. So J-
0: Jack is one that he's maintained his innocence just out of sheer will. Yeah. Uh, having seen the reality yeah, of the basically world being a street kid. Yeah. And then you've got Lily who has maintained her innocence because she hasn't been exposed to the darkness of the world.
2: Right. And if you shoot it in real time, I picture, I picture her as being that, like my mom made me do ballet. You know, my dad is, you know, my dad does this and that probably in politics. Sure. So she doesn't like him very much. Uh, cause he's got that dual personality. Sure. And- uh, You know, and that's, I, I picture her in that sort of princess situation where it's, you are so protected and, and you know, you've never wanted for anything. So You're- you are innocent because you don't treat people badly. You don't see them as less than you. Maybe your parents do, but your innocence comes from your ability to see the good and everything until you've seen the bad where it's overwhelming. And then how do you come back from that? So from a serious standpoint, I think he would do that really well. Okay.
0: I definitely see that. Uh, the idea of just like a character that's innocent based entirely on their isolation. Right. They're insulated from the world. They don't have the opportunity to learn that people aren't in necessarily inherently good. It takes like will mm-hmm. to maintain that goodness. And she has maintained that goodness because she hasn't had any real strife in her life.
2: Right. So when it hits her, how does she deal with that? Like does she do? Does she dance with the dress? <laughs> Right, <laughs> you know, which is dancing with your own dark side. Yeah, you know, essentially, uh, or in this sort of modern world, is she is she uh, is she seeing the realities of her actual life and what it what it takes to li- have that life? What, what what kind of compromises make? What kind of darkness did you let set in? Sure. So we can have certain things, or I can, you know, what I mean. So I really like that aspect, and so I, I the few people I've got picked out, and you're gonna like. <laughs>
0: I think you're. Yeah, let's like this. go down the laundry list here. Yeah. Well, I'll go th- serious version. Yep.
2: Jack, I did. Uh, uh, I say if I pronounce his name right, Timothy uh, uh, Chalamet. I think it's Chalamet. Chalamet, excuse me. Uh,
0: who's uh, was in Call Me by Your Name and Lady Bird? He's incredible. Yeah, and he's a challenge to. I want to put him in everything that we do on the show because he's just such a charming, but yes. also not Vince Vaughn awkward, but more that like. There's a youthful awkwardness to him. Yeah, that is charming. Right. It's not dorky or goofy. It's this like natural. Yeah. It's not a Jay Baruchel. No, 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 no. It's a very youthful. (laughs) Okay. All right. Lay off Baruchel. It comes off as a very honest, um, youthful awkwardness. Yes,
2: and I think you know, in terms of playing the street kid, who's who's kind of jumping in between these realms and making all these connections. Uh, while maintaining his goodness, yeah, I think uh, he's a damn good actor. I think he could do that very well.
0: He'll also be in uh, Dune. That's coming right, coming out later this year. Uh, yeah, along
2: with uh, Zendaya and uh, uh, and
0: basically everyone <laughs> in Hollywood. Yeah, um, uh, there's everyone is in that movie. Uh,
2: for my for Lily, uh, and just because, uh, in, as of recently, been on a, a Stranger Four, uh, season four kick. Stranger Things season four. Yeah, and watching they had a new promo come out. My daughter loves her too. Mm. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown
0: and she Lily. has proven herself as being more than just 11 she's done other stuff and as I mean even something as goofy as like Godzilla she's bringing the the action but she did like Anola Holmes. Holmes as well oh,
2: fucking fantastic yeah everybody in that movie is fantastic no you she's she's got
0: a career path ahead of her oh,
2: she's good yeah as long as she doesn't turn into a massive asshole which as Bill Murray says you have about two years uh, and then you get out of it or you stay like that yeah. Uh, so, you know, I guess kids stars are different. Um, yeah. I have hers. Lily. Now The I'll go to screwball first and then I'll tell you the darkness. So sure. Screwball. I have is Peter Dinklage. Okay. And screwball in the movie, if you haven't watched it, but uh, when you do, and you should screwball is exactly like his name sounds. He is that smart ass, almost um, comic relief, one liner, you know, s- sort of thing. Where it's like, uh, you know, if you get hit, one of the characters in the movie gets hit in the air with the head, and he's like, that thing almost, you know, hit me in the brain pan. He's just like, at least you know you'll be okay. <laughs> like, if it hits you in the head. Like, he's a smart ass. He's very Deadpoolish in terms of his smart, mm-hmm. smart Alec talk, which for Tim Miller would be all, very easy for him to incorporate that humor mm-hmm. in between that sort of innocence and darkness thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, uh, from for my um, for my serious version... And this is going to sound weird, because uh, okay. I actually switched it from my comic version.
0: I did a couple uh, switcharounds yeah. on my casting as well. I kept
2: going, mm, but he would be so good in this. And the thing with Jim Carrey is that, yes, comedic, great. But his dramatic acting is, is uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is, is a beautiful film.
0: And though it's comedic, his work on uh, Man on the Moon oh, is yes. incredible incredible yeah
2: or the truman show
0: or truman show as well yeah yeah Uh, so
2: you know and when i think when i put that in perspective i put him as the darkness
0: okay and well he can go big for sure and that's the thing (laughs) is that
2: he could go big he can go very like lemony snickets sort of big but um uh he uh but he also can can keep that balance especially in makeup i think he could keep that balance as the darkness and and you know he would i I picture tim miller having him come in as a human form you know at first and probably in a high political uh you know uh probably like a a mayor mayor of the of the city he doesn't have access to these realms especially the one with the unicorns in uh but he does kind of run the show from that aspect uh so that's his ultimate goal is to get there and do that and he had to rise up so I just I see Jim Carrey in a role like that and seeing him interact with like Millie Bobby Brown, you know, uh, you know, or Timothy uh how do you pronounce it again? Chalamet. Chalamet. Uh or Peter Dinklage. I think I think it would just be it would be dynamic. It would oh, be yeah. funny but it would be dark and it would be serious in tone and in the way it's shot. This maybe sort of like drowned out colors in certain shots, not necessarily darkness, but then in the in the sort of pretty I'm in this realm, forest realm, mm-hmm. nymph sort of thing. Uh, it would be uh it would be almost um like Lord of the Rings ish.
0: Okay. I got you. So there's like a harshness to the uh the shooting style at some points and then there's almost a contrasting like tone yeah. at different points. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You're going from a light to dark and you can tell that tone depending yeah. on where you are. And of course in the city the light's artificial because it's being run by you know, the it's being run by somebody who's who's putting a uh, artificial sort of uh, blanket over the city in sure. terms of how they run it. Yeah. Uh, but the realms themselves are their own beauty. And so I, I I think from a serious perspective, it would be cool.
0: I like that that the city would almost have kind of a dingy, desaturated or quality to Gotham it. Gotham sort of vibe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I like that a lot. And then so the contrast, it's almost like the Wizard of Oz switch over to- Exactly. Yeah. Which, would makes, okay. which
2: makes Jack's character and why Lily's so protected make more sense why Jack's character living in that world, being a street kid, but still holding on to his goodness makes him that better of a
0: character. Yeah, I like that. Um, for, for me, I am having that contrast as well, but it's because there's this lens of fantasy that's over the reality of the world. And I'm doing that like book of Eli, like yellows and bleached out kind of tone to oh, the, yeah. the reality of the world. And that's because the majority of this movie is set in the American Southwest. Huh. And uh, to break down the plot on my real take is that uh, for my director, I am going with a director that was known for an incredible film that incorporated fantasy elements into a real life, like ominous situation of the levees breaking in New Orleans, uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild, which was an incredible film and recently did his take on the Peter Pan mythos with a movie called Wendy. That is currently on uh, HBO. I have not M- seen that. It's on HBO Max currently. And it's basically street kids that uh, jump a train. They end up on this island and they're just running amok. And there's uh do well basically pirates that they are using the island for other means. And so there's a realistic nature to it, but it still follows that Peter Pan mythos at the same time. That's kind of the lens of the childlike wonderment that is put on the film Mm. where you're still noting all the beats of the reality of the situation, it's similar to Beasts of the Southern Wild in that way. That the reality of it is really the base of the film, but there's these fantasy lenses that get thrown over top of sequences that informs you kind of the perspective of the children involved in the story. Right. So I really like that. Uh, It's uh, Ben uh, Zeitlin is the name of the director.
2: I don't know if I know him.
0: Hasn't done a lot, honestly, and has done a couple of music videos, has uh, made the big two big claims to fame are Beasts of the Southern Wild. And then more recently, I think two years ago was Wendy came out. And I really like that that is such a focus of this director is that style of filmmaking and kid focused. And with a story like this, I think you have to have a little bit of that like childlike lens to properly portray this very... Contrasting good and evil conversation that's happening because when you become an adult, you realize that most everything is in the gray. Yeah, and there's no. There are definitely true good and true evil in the world. Sure, and we see them every day in Congress, and uh, <laughs> it's mostly yeah. evil. But uh, <laughs> but yeah. but you you do see examples of like Dolly Parton is just pure good, just pure wonderful. I do good. love that woman. I, I adore her to no end. She is a fucking saint. And then on the other end, Ted Cruz. And so you have like two contrasting ends, but like for the most part, everything else is kind of gray. And yeah. it's that childlike lens that makes it less complicated. Mm-hmm. And I want that to be expressed through this lens that uh, Ben Zeitlin has done with his films. And so a breakdown of all the the characters, I'll, I'll do the Lord of Darkness last, but uh, for Jack, uh, this American Southwest. It's taking place on a ranch that's on its last legs. Uh, the unicorns are actually uh, a, a pair of rare horses that they're trying to breed as a means of trying to save the ranch. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last bit of money that they have left is in getting these two together to try to breed racehorses, thoroughbreds, to uh, to do racing, and they kind of put all their eggs in that basket. There are farmhands uh, or are ranch hands that are helping out the the main character. Jack is the son of the ranch owner, and he's grown up around, you know, immigrant ranch hands and just like Dust Bowl uh, ranchers that are also struggling with their own ranches. And so there is no real difference in the way that they look at each other as far as him being the son of the ranch hand or, you know, an immigrant worker's kid. They've all grown up together. They've all played together. They're in their perception equals but there's this like nefarious kind of cultural difference that happens when it gets past the child age Yeah, that they're running into. Uh, the Lord of darkness mm-hmm. being a developer that has the, the deed <laughs> to the farm that is doing everything to try to like ruin their possibilities of holding on to this because there's massive tracks. He's buying out farms around the whole area. Uh, that whole trope. Yeah. that has been used time and time again. So Jack is the, uh, the rancher's son uh-huh. in this. And he's gonna be played by, and I'm probably gonna butcher the first name, uh, Zolo uh, Marduena. Oh yeah, from uh, Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai, Miguel, Miguel. from Cobra Kai. Okay. Incredible actor. He's like barely an adult in this. Um, he's trying to come into his own, trying to be a man, but he's also just a dorky kid still. You know, and he's he in I think he can that do trim. the action
2: too. If he he's... can
0: totally do the action. Yeah. Uh, and he, great actor. Oh, he's I, awesome. He he. Everybody in that
2: show is so good.
0: Well, there's some that are stronger and weaker as far as acting talent goes, oh, but he, yeah, yeah. It is can't be enough. LaRusso. Yeah, no shit, right? <laughs> but he's still him. But I, I think he's a great actor. I think he's got a lot of potential as far as a career moving forward, and I would love to see him in this role because he can also play like the goofy kid vibe as well. Yeah, and then the tough, or and then the, the strong yeah. when he needs to. So I think that's a great uh, place for him to be in, and then for Lily. I wanted to call back to actually the actress that was the youngest nominated actress in Oscar history for her role in *Beasts of the Southern Wild*. She was like, like eight or something when she was in yeah, that what role. what's her name? Covenzane, I think. Mm-hmm. Wallace. Uh, she was in *Beasts of the Southern Wild*. She was also Annie in the Annie remake.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. Actually, actually, that wasn't you know. I'm not a Annie fan, uh, but I watched it with my uh, with, with my kid. It was it actually was pretty good. Yeah. And
0: and, I mean, she great act. I mean, obviously she's getting nominated like eight years old.
2: Jamie Foxx was uh, in that. Yeah. He was Warbucks. Yeah. That wasn't He was
0: good. Yeah. No, it wasn't as far as like, I'm not an Andy fan. Well, and as far as clear money grab remakes, that is definitely not the worst of those that have come out. No, I don't think so. So it was pretty good. um, I, incredible actress. And I think seeing her as a like young adult, like she's an adult now Mm -hmm. and, Age-wise, I think she's like 22 or 23. So she's right in that age yeah, range of like a, yeah, she can post-teens. A, she can yeah. play a couple years younger. It's fine. And she's around the same age as uh, Zolo. Zolo. Uh, yeah. So they are the right age for one another. She is just um, a orphan child that got taken in by a, a nearby farm. And they, they kind of half grew up together and then got closer as years went. And as they got closer. And so there's this like restricted love that they have where it's not that they sh- aren't allowed to be together, but because the families are so close, there's a carefulness. They got to be, they, they clearly show each other, but there's a point where there's so much hesitance on both ends to really like pull the trigger on it. All right. Um, and then uh, let me go through, cause we are running long on this already. Oh, are we? <laughs> um, then we've got Gump who is the, it's a little kid that plays like an elf character yeah. in this, that ends up being kind of the, the Sherpa through the uh, the voyage to uh, rescue the unicorn, re- recover the horn, fight off darkness. Mm-hmm. And so you want like an innocent, youthful character in this role that I am now with all all these elf-like characters, they're gonna be like either like immigrant cr- kids or like kids of other farmhands or like ranch owners in the area. The kids that they've all kind of grown up together and there's a varying level of age from like 14-year-old kids, 12-year-old kids to like 19, 20, 21-year-old kids that they're just, there's no one else around to play with. So they just all, they're just the kids in the area. Yeah. So there's this slight, slightly bigger range of people you hang out with than you would in, say, a city. And uh, Wyatt Olaf is who I went with for Gump. If you're unfamiliar, he played Stanley in It. He was the young Peter Quill in Guardians of the Galaxy. And if you really want to see him having more time and play in his roles, there's a great... uh series on netflix called i'm not okay with this
2: I, I i've seen it's on my list i have not watched it yet but i've heard really good
0: things he, like a, a kind of love interest in that and he he's got comedic timing he can really like exist in that like cool but kind of awkward character role so he i think would be great as gump and also as screwball he could probably pull that off as well honestly he could and then we've got una who's the you know, the the younger kid that's definitely too young for Jack in this role. And that's why there's like a, ah, uh, no, you're a child. But right. huge crush on him. Right. Kind of character that comes along. is like 12 right. years old. He's like, no, right. <laughs> fucking no. Yeah. But if you're um, around at 21. Yeah, right. New actress that is coming out and really doing some stuff, even though the roles that I'm about to mention aren't great movies for the most part, uh-huh. but she is great in them. Ah, uh, she played Dora in Dora the, uh, the the Lost City of Gold, the live action Dora the Explorer movie. Ah, uh, she also was in Instant Family and uh, Transformers: The Last Night as well. We're talking about Isabella uh, Merced. She also went by uh, Isabella Monner, uh before and has recently officially.
2: If it's the same one I'm thinking of, I think she also did a show on Netflix
0: that my kid loves. Possibly, she's done a lot of television as well, including a lot of Disney stuff and uh, and possibly Netflix as well, so it's very likely. Yeah, no, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. She's, she's good. A great actress, and I think is the right age difference where she's young enough that that uh, Jack would be like, no, you're great, but like, whoa, no, <laughs> I'm not a big creep, and yeah. I want that contrast because The Lord of Darkness is like hitting on not illegal lily but like newly 18 lily like 19 year old lily and this is like a land developer dude um so blix is also the right hand <laughs> blix. of blix is the right hand of the lord of darkness um that's going to be the brother of the developer that's mm-hmm. basically like the the fucking the mercenary the uh the the minion that goes out and does stuff right he's the smithers And so I want to explain who the Lord of Darkness is for you to understand why I chose Blix. The Lord of Darkness, I went with somebody that has done some fun roles, but normally is known as very serious and intense with his acting. Michael Shannon as uh, the Lord of Darkness in this gritty kind of role. But he's also done some wacky do stuff here and there that I think if he went big in the fantasy lens, when he has the horns and he's doing big, he could get into that too.
2: Yeah, that's, you know that's not a bad pick. I mean, it's that unconventional thing that just works. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. it would just work as you know, it's like those pieces fit together. It's like you chose who? And it's like, Oh fuck. Why well, now? I can't imagine anyone else. I think
0: he could do that. Yeah. I, yeah. He's got a lot of range and I want this to have that timeless element where you, this could be set in the 1940s or modern time. Yeah. Because it's, you know, broken down ranches in the American Midwest. So that can totally be just of any era vibe to it. It could be the forties, the sixties modern day. And he has such a classic kind of approach to his character roles that like from shape of water to his more modern roles that he can be that guy in any era.
2: Yeah, no, he definitely can be.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then, so I thought as far as both looks and I think the right tone for the right hand man, that's a little bit more shit talking and isn't as, Motivated as the leader, I went with uh for Blix Jack Quaid. Jack Quaid is that uh? He's uh he's we Huey in the Boys series. Uh,
2: he's oh yeah yeah. I could see yeah. He's part. He would be a good like s- like sniveling little yes uh yes no master.
0: But also just like oh god I don't like to the other guys being like I don't want to do this man yeah. like oh just like getting I, pushed further I, can than can he wants I to really
2: go. not fine.
0: Yeah. And then blows someone's yeah. head off. It's like I didn't want to do it. Can we go get somebody yeah, 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 yeah. That kind of vibe. Just not in for he, he doesn't have the same reasons that he's doing this. He's doing this because he kind of has to. Yeah. Um and and that I could see Jack Wade totally playing in that space. He's been in the boys uh actually really fun romantic comedy called Plus 1. That's worth a, a look. It's on Hulu, I believe. And then uh, Hunger <laughs> Games, he was in Rampage as well. So uh,
2: what was he in I don't, know, I don't remember him in Rampage or I don't remember any of them. That's probably how good he is.
0: Yeah, that's how good he is. That he just blends into just this film. He just blends into yeah. everything he does. So th- that's my casting for my uh, reality-based, like good. fantasy-focused uh, version of this. Yeah, we got some dark shit. Yeah, dark shit. But yeah. I, the legend lends to it. I think.
2: Well, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of like it. You know, the the original movie relies heavily, even though it shows like mythical creatures and they're they're out in the forest and doing this. It relies heavily on that dark factor and that practical sort of dark factor and like what happens when you're in a room losing light, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. You kind of panic.
0: But now we're getting into the uh, the weird shit. Oh, uh, yes. Which we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on no, uh, uh, who we cast I, necessarily. And I know that we're but... running low on time, so I'm going
2: to do mine super quick.
0: Once I announce the director, you could probably fill in the blanks on who I cast for the
2: different stuff. <laughs> All right, so uh, you're gonna you're gonna, uh, and I'm sure I'm gonna uh, torture his name, but I think it's Ruben uh, Fleischer, and he directed Zombieland one and two.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: okay. I love I I love both of them. Uh, obviously, the you know, first one's better than the last, but the last one's still pretty damn good. And I enjoy I enjoyed his style of quick witted sort of humor within a uh, dark fucking action sure playing. yeah and and i know that tim miller hits on that too but tim miller was about being a balance he is about being fucking weird and funny goofy yeah goofy yeah just just those fucking great ad libs and things like that uh uh which I, I i really enjoy about those movies it's just the the way that the, they show relationships between people sure it's so nonchalant and they still give a shit yeah. so uh so he's my director and then for my cast I'll go through it real quick. Uh Jack is Tom Holland because I actually think that kid could be, is pretty damn funny when he wants to be. Sure. I've seen him on a yeah. lot of shit like he's a good ad-libber, he's good in he's comedian. Some could say he could work in the serious version. Yeah, but maybe but he just has that like that sort of like good goofy kid you know, innocence,
0: but I'll still, you know, do a flip. Yeah. The, the same <laughs> run up the ball, the same kind of stuff that made him the clear choice for Spider-Man. Exactly. Yeah,
2: exactly. But you know, he, I, he's done a, a couple other things. There's a great movie on Netflix. I'm trying to remember the name, uh, where it's, I think it's set more in like the twenties or thirties. It's a really dark film.
0: Oh yeah. I know what you're talking yeah, about. And that- I
2: really wish I, I, I meant to write it down. I didn't, I apologize. Go check it out. The
0: the devil, uh, devil.
2: Yes. The devil, uh, You know the devil we know, maybe it, I don't yeah. know go check it out just type in Tom Holland it'll, it'll yeah. pull up um so he does dark really well but the the funny thing i think that as far as the movie goes he works perfectly because he can just kind of ride that shit sure. and still be watchable yeah uh for lily and i don't know if you know who this is but is uh haley uh orania or arancia i so I'm, I'm torturing her name she she plays this the oldest sister on the goldbergs okay um, besides she's obviously very attractive she's very musical so there will be some singing um you know frolicking through frolicking through the scene sure uh but she's also fucking hysterical and she's a very she's very comes across as a very tough tough she can do very tough and innocent at the same time sure which is perfect for lily in the funny version because in the funny version she's more like Uh, yes, I am innocent, but if you come too close, I'm going to kick in your fucking throat. Like, you know, she just doesn't mess around, which is funny to me when you come across like someone with Tom Holland, who's just this kind of sweet street kid who he'll fight a bunch of people. But when he comes across her, it's like, Oh, okay. I'm sorry. My (laughs) ball shrunk. Um, for screwball, which I did, I did the same thing before. So for screwball, which is my favorite characters is, uh, Seth Rogan. Because I just okay. think even if they do animatronic, even if uh, uh, Ruben does animatronic and they just do Seth Rogen's voice, it's still perfect. Like, yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen Paul, watch Paul. Paul is so much fun. It's an offbeat fucking amazing movie. It really will take you by surprise. If you sit there and really just enjoy it, it's so good. Yeah. It's not the greatest movie ever, but it's so good. It's so I fun. Think, yeah. So Seth Rogen would be good with that. Uh, and for The Darkness, this is where I switched it from Jim Carrey originally, Nick Offerman.
0: Okay.
2: If I could see.
0: He has to keep the mustache, though.
2: Well, that's the thing. Imagine the mustache. I fucking literally thought the same thing. Imagine the mustache <laughs> yes! on the devil suit. 100%. On the devil suit while he's speaking, like, similar to Ron Swanson. Because that's basically his voice.
0: What is the light without yeah. the dark? Just and Jack's, li- fucking- yeah, and,
2: and Jack's like, you're evil. And you just you just hear Nick Offerman or, you know, the darkness go, I know what I'm about, son.
3: <laughs> <Right>.
0: <laughs>
2: that's what you call a steak like yeah, i, I right. wish i really wish i could do his impression but i just imagine him you being may have,
0: like, you may have heard i want a lot of darkness no <laughs> i want all the darkness yeah. you have yes
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he just does that head tilt and that, yeah. like he heard me like that's i picked i think he would it would be one of those choices where if he was in that makeup with the mustache which is like the first thing i pictured with him doing it would just be phenomenal
0: like, and I, what I like about this is in my head, like the practical effects are good. Don't get me wrong; it's not like papier-mâché shit on there or anything, right? But it's something about that mustache that makes it look like there's so much time and attention paid to it. Yes. that didn't pay off because of the mustache that he looks like he's wearing a costume. Yeah, and which makes it so much more fun for me.
2: And besides Ron Swanson uh, uh, and uh, what Magnum PI, uh, fucking Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck, thank you. Besides those two, we really a mustache is kind of seen as like a, you're a creepy motherfucker.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right.
2: Uh, so, you know, he, he so pulls it off without makeup to think of him pulling it off in a fucking darkness makeup setting. And he's, he's in this, you know, his own darkness labyrinth where he fucking rules over and all he wants is like steaks, you know, fruits are considered basically you can die if you bring him a fruit. Sure. You'll cut him in half, like just very serious. Like I know what I'm about, son. Get me that fucking unicorn. Yeah. Although in my movie, and I told you this earlier, and I, I can't—I've been waiting to say this—in my funny version, instead of a unicorn horn, uh, there's actually an object buried underneath the tree, uh, essentially the Tree of Life, the very first tree. Sure. Um, and buried underneath there is a golden rod, which uh, affectionately becomes known as the golden dildo, the spark of life. Jesus. <laughs>
0: So it's this like tree dick, this golden tree dick that they have to uh, transport. Uh, that's right, son. That's fantastic. That's right.
2: I know what I'm about. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, and it just, and, you know, and, and of course the, it gets found, it gets taken and uh, you know, it gets, you know, Nick Offerman, uh, that's his ultimate prize. He wants, he wants that golden dildo because a, he, fin- he finds it ridiculous that any of this exists So he just needs to get rid of it. It's not sure it's it's
0: just, it's ridiculous.
2: Yeah. Okay. It's all fucking
0: pointless. (laughs) That's perfect. I love it. I love it for mine. Um, I have done this before in a couple episodes, but I thought if you were to approach this as a money grab producer, that was like, what do we have in the bin? Uh, that hasn't been remade recently. Okay. Dig through and you're like, okay, legend. Yeah. There's some nerds that like this. So we'll have to throw a couple Easter eggs in for them to like, but otherwise fuck it. Let's do this. It's, just by the name, there will be parents that will bring their kids to it to watch it. Fuck it. All right, so this is a weird fantasy movie. There's some fucking whoop-dee-doo, fucking good and evil bullshit that happens. Um, who do we have? Who's a weird director? And then just go down to the cafeteria and look at who's eating in there. That's like one of their directors that they have on fucking call. And in the back, like looking over his journal and reading copies of Johnny the Homicidal Maniac is fucking Tim Burton. That's <laughs> sitting there like, yes. And they're like, you want to do Legend? And it's like, couldn't. Can Johnny be in it? And they're like, Yeah, fuck, yeah, fine. That's fine. And then, like, okay, I'll do it. And then he just comes in onto the onto the uh the set and starts doing it. Perfect. And you can pretty much write this of just like super zany, slightly dark. And that's the thing, that's why I make fun of Tib Burton now, is that he went more and more zany and less and less that nice balance of creepy and fun. Yeah. That his earlier uh movies had. Edward Scissorhands, Beetlejuice. I mean, uh, he must've been taking antidepressants. Yeah. Th- there was a point where you're getting to like Willy Wonka and it's just all zany, but there's not that like, besides Wonka coming off as a fucking pedophile, yes, there's no 100%. real, hundred percent. There is no real actual, that like knowable darkness that everybody kind of feels when they're an angsty teenager that could just kind of gets plastered over as a nice veneer right. over everything. And, uh, so he's just known as that guy that does that, but he doesn't even really do that anymore. So you instead you get Dumbo. Ooh, yeah, creepy. And so we've got Tim Burton. And so I'm just going to shoot down. So there's going to be either weird looking or like alternative actors, quote unquote. The ones that will take some like weird roles. I like being a weird person in a movie kind characters or they just look strange or both in this. So we've, and also working with him. So first off, the Lord of Darkness, I'm doing a gender swap on this one. And from uh, Miss Peregrine, and she was also in the Dumbo movie as well. Eva Green is going to be the Lord of Ooh. Darkness.
2: Oh, she, yeah. She's got
0: some goth vibes to her. So,
2: Oh, dude. that's Rise of Empire. Rise whatever. of Empire.
0: And she was also in uh, Penny Dreadful yes, as well. She's awesome. Awesome, awesome Penny Dread- in yeah. Penny Dreadful. Yeah. So that would be a very fun turn for Lord of Darkness. Oh, her. yeah. Oh,
2: that costume would, would probably be
0: more aesthetically pleasing. It would be... At least lovely. that would be the only thing that I'd be like, you know what? I like that note. Everything else kind of sucks in this version. <laughs> yes. but fuck off Offerman. <laughs> then we got for Jack. You want an innocent that, you know, a fucking woo fucking I'm innocent. I'm going to save the girl. Uh, that kind of vibe. Uh, you can tell how much I'm taking this seriously. Then uh, from Miss Peregrine. So worked with Burton before Asa Butterfield. He's been in a bunch of stuff. Um, that name
2: sounds so familiar. He was kind of Ender in
0: Ender's Game. Oh, yes yes, yeah, yes. 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 He's been in a By the way, the Ender's the
2: Game is, uh, is uh, underrated. The same i i feel like it missed the spirit of the book a little bit for sure but but uh, as far it, as it's the movie not, goes, it's not a bad movie
0: it's just no. it doesn't have the heart that unfortunately yeah. orson scott card doesn't have either because he's say, a fucking we're... monster <laughs> but but the book is good
2: yeah yeah we'll destroy civilizations
0: if good. you want a book of his that uh is counter to everything he believes in speaker for the dead which is the sequel to ender's game is all about like understanding and tolerance and inclusion uh which is you know not orson scott card so that's cool no and i haven't and read weird. that so
2: now i gotta i'm not very it, but good I have, yeah i have a copy so you don't Ooh, have Canada to Bart.
0: yes you don't have to give money to him at all Ooh. you can just borrow my copy
2: good i'm reading ready player two right now and i had to stop reading it because okay. i'm halfway through and i don't want to i don't want to get to the end yet no
0: fair fair all right so for lily uh this is full-on weird looking um I th- she might have been in a burton film uh, l fanning oh yeah
2: yeah dakota fanning's sister
0: yes she uh,
2: was in um, uh, Super Eight.
0: Yeah, she was in Super Eight, and great actress. I don't want to detract from the fact that she's actually a very accomplished, very good actress. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, but she's also that like kind of creepy vibe to her a little bit as well. So just kind of like, who I'm. Yes. There's something about me. Mm-hmm. Kind of the the uh, offbeat but... Winona Ryder and Beetlejuice kind of vibe that yes. she's throwing out a little bit. Yeah. So so I think that's great for Lily. Then Gump the. Uh, sidekick that's the fucking weirdo because I did the swap and uh, Johnny Depp initially was my lord of darkness but he would end up in a pinstripe business suit with fucking horns that he kept like plucking off or something I didn't want to be too fucking weird so Johnny Depp is gump so you put him in like a fucking
2: that sort of side piece role yeah Yeah. side
0: role where he can just be the fucking weirdo sidekick character and then he just gets all fucking weird and zany yeah Cool. Good. Fuck it. Why not? Then Una, the like sprite that's like in love with uh, Aza Butterfield. Uh, we're doing Macy Williams, who I love from Game of Thrones. And
2: uh, uh, yeah, Macy Williams, yeah, she's she's good. She was in um that uh, the new mu- New Mutants. New yeah, mu- I can't even speak. Yeah, New <laughs> New Mutants. Mutants. Uh,
0: and though that film wasn't great, no, it wasn't fine. because of her. <laughs> she no. was fine. And then uh, we've got blicks the sidekick character to uh the lord of darkness and having worked with tim burton a number of times including dumbo and batman returns we've got one danny devito as oh my Blix.
2: God! <laughs> i thought you were gonna say helena bottom carter
0: <laughs> no Helen i did not cast her in this but if there was a role for her it would be lily's adoptive mother oh
2: the one in the house the one was, in the house yeah. that you
0: could totally just have her because she's got to be in there somewhere yeah she'll she's,
2: just yeah she'll just. Replay the witch from uh, Big Fish.
0: Yep. And that's that's, that's uh, Lily's mom is the witch from Big Fish. And then you're good to go. That's awesome. So perfect. That's so, perfect. That is my Tim Burton legend. I love it. Version. Yeah. That's the that very is, Tim Burton. And
2: it, he would have all those people in there. If probably. I pitched that to
0: producers and Tim Burton, they'd be like, fucking sold. Let's do this, motherfucker. Yeah. They'd be ready to roll. Well, Brilliant. No, and I'm fuck. just like, I don't know. Fucking is a Butterfield and Elle Fanning. They're like, fucking they both look weird. Put them in.
2: Just Ready. Give it well, a couple of years, we start seeing shit pop up on the like, hey, by the way, new movie coming out. I'm like, what the fuck?
3: <laughs>
0: right? Well, we didn't copyright shit. No <laughs> shit. Uh, speaking of, I mention this regularly on the show. If any of the ideas we come up with ends up getting used, uh, the best way to avoid any kind of litigation is to just give us fucking credit. It, yeah, it's something I can put on the resume and possibly get my foot in the door on script writing. So fucking just go for yeah. this shit. I mean, you could pay too. It's yeah, I mean, whatever paying, works. Paying is also preferable. But, but credit,
2: but, you know, if that's the least you can do, that's
0: fine. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. Okay. I, oh, oh, we got to pay this guy scale for coming up with a thing that's going to make us a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess we'll just throw out fucking ten grand <laughs> That's fine. Whatever. Yeah. It's fine. Fuck it. <laughs> Fuck
2: We're giving delicious. away gold,
0: gold yes. on this show.
2: Suck it up, you sons of bitches.
0: So now we are... Uh, there there weren't a lot of mashups that uh, that I got shot. I, I very late on the game uh, put on social media for mashups, but do you have anything that you'd like to mash up with Legend?
2: If I had to mash up anything specific with Legend in terms... I, I would do it in terms of contrast. Sure. Um, uh, just to have two conflicting worlds. Uh, so I would probably have the Giver... And wow legend. And the reason and and, and uh I, I would have that contrast because I would like to have for no reason whatsoever, and I'm you know, I've had five beers, uh <laughs> is just to have the alien aspect in it because sure. the guyver is about an alien armor that somehow is biological and makes its way onto a good guy who then fights against other aliens who are more like dinosaurs uh who are trying to take over the world. So I would definitely think that, that I would, if I was drunk um, and, <laughs> and probably on a lot of different medications and writing a script, that's what I would combine.
0: My combination has actually multiple movies to combine into the av- actual story of uh, Legend is that the part of an adventure fantasy movie that's normally the most exciting part is the least exciting for the most part in legend and that's the journey to save the girl and the unicorn right yeah. where they run into like the <laughs> yeah. goblin witch they're like oh if i can cut her head off anyway moving on and there's just like we're in a swamp yeah look, we're looking in a swamp now yeah. anyway now we're not it's just <laughs> it's not that exciting so you make that a little bit more of a presence in the movie and then you incorporate people on other quests that they just run across so they're not joining in to help save the day they've got their own shit so you got monty python and the holy grail they just run across people with fucking coconuts. That are just like galloping past and they just like talk talk for a minute you've got your highness uh mixing in there uh for no reason Natalie
2: portman just randomly there you've got they Danny just walk McBride.
0: by and there's like a dude that looks like david bowie singing about babies you know what's that's just off like off on a cliff somewhere with like little fucking puppets dancing around him
2: if you're making this movie and if we're making this movie yeah I picture that also in the background randomly is like an RPG game or online role-playing game where characters are, nobody's controlling them at the time, so they're just standing there doing their thing. While randomly, Monty Python characters are over here and maybe over that and just have chaos. So in the background, it's not noticeable unless you were really looking. Yeah. But all you see is these characters maybe just dancing in place. (laughs) No reason. (laughs) Nothing. Maybe bumping into each other because the controller's stuck.
0: Right. (laughs) I also want like where they're passing a bridge like in monty python instead of the dudes these questions three it just gandalf being like you shall not pass and then one of them just holds up a literal pass that said shall pass on it and he's like oh i'm sorry go ahead
2: right (laughs) i've had it validated thank you the amount of money that it would cost to get the rights to do a movie (laughs)
0: like
2: that would be like ready player one times a million that's
0: why this is a fun sandbox to live in because it's not gonna happen anyway so why not just fucking be weird with it Well, spielberg could make it happen spielberg can make anything happen
2: yeah yeah he pulled it he's he's pulled he's pulled it all together for any player one and that was a lot of fucking
0: licenses oh yeah for sure a lot a lot so uh those are our mashups for this one last thing before we finish here are our trailers Uh, i think
2: i'm gonna take this one first let's let's lend this one off strong okay it's better
0: better (laughs) that you go last okay no that's fine Alright, right, here we go.
3: In a world where darkness has taken over the city that connects all of the realms of Earth and beyond, the mythical golden dildo was stolen from under the oldest tree on Earth, the Tree of Life. It is up to one hero, Jack to retrieve the golden dildo and return it under the big thick tree. (laughs) Jesus. As he goes to this world, he meets Lily, an innocent who he falls in love with. And between Jack and Lily, they can overtake the darkness that is Nick Offerman. As he ends his reign with, I know what I'm about, son. Check Check us. (laughs) Check check it out. out. This This summer, 2022. Legend. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Lovely,
3: lovely. It was better
2: than my other ones.
0: (laughs) I know what I'm about, son. You just had to throw that line in there. It's one of the greatest lines ever. That's that's great. I know what I'm about, son. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Cool. So that's... (laughs) All right. I'm trying to remember what track mine was. uh...
1: From the mind of the director of Beasts of the Southern Wild and Wendy comes a tour de force of fantasy set in the American Southwest. Jack and Lily are new adults that are trying to find their way in the world and their way in love when a terrible landowner tries to take the last chances of the ranch away by stealing one of the prize horses. <laughs> Sometimes, reality is far darker than any fantasy can give you. But through the lens of their countless stories they tell each other, they traverse the American Southwest in a last-ditch effort to recover the lost horse and their innocence. This summer comes a new take on a classic tale. There are many people in the world, but few become. Legend.
0: I didn't even talk about the actors or the character. Like, what happened? (laughs) I was transported to somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) I blacked out for a second. What happened?
2: I want to be legend now.
0: I want to be legend too. (laughs) Uh, We are legends in our own mind. And that what makes us podcasters, honestly. God, I don't think you could do it. (laughs) 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 Right. So thank you for listening to our nonsense for another episode of Smack My Pitch Up. This has been so much fun exploring... Uh, what worked and clearly doesn't work for a remake of, uh, (laughs) of legend. And uh, I want to hear what you guys think about casting or choices as far as a remake, reimagining, sequel of legend. Hit us up on social media, all those links and uh, ways to subscribe are all at GYpodcast.com. Definitely check out geek fathers. Yeah, we're coming up. You are coming up. It's you and Scotty P doing the thing, talking about geek parenting. Yeah. Geek parenting and all that comes along with it. Which, which is, is I it, think just not a lot of sleep. I think is mostly
2: sleep, you know, your nerves are always fried. But you know, there's a lot of love.
0: Depleted bank, account, De- you depleted know? bank <laughs> accounts. Depleted bank accounts. Let's focus on the positive. There's You're a right. lot of a lot of love. No, for sure. We I think we
2: we love no, we love them. We love them. Yeah. I, most of the time. Most of the time. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so
0: <laughs> check out Geek Fathers on uh dot Podcast.com. Rate review, subscribe. We'll find you next time. Make sure to check out T Public. We've got some new designs out right now, including the new Geek Fathers T-shirt. That's right, which I'm excited. It has your goofy fucking face on it now. It,
2: it's the only difference is I'm not. My ear headphones aren't on my head. Otherwise, we look the exact same. <laughs> Just a bunch of fat faced bald white men with beards.
0: Yay! Exciting. Father. That should be the name of the network. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I, I think our stock would plummet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a family. It's a family. More like a life raft. So, thank you so much for listening. Uh, <laughs> I should have said that when you're taking a drink. Um, thank you so much for listening. We'll find you next time. You just got pitch
1: gui GuiPodcast.com.
3: Yes? Can Can Johnny be in it? Okay, I'll do it.
0: Hey guys. Scotty Big Daddy Preston here, that's right, The Geek Father, asking you to join me here every other week with friends and family of the GUI Network as we go through all the trials and tribulations of being a geeky parent. So remember, join us or cry.